to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, and we've got a lot to talk about, don't we? Going live a little bit earlier today because there's a lot going on here with the Minnesota Vikings. Also, I'm about to go get onto a plane and go to Las Vegas, where I'll be doing the show for two days. So Will Raggetts is going to act as my reporter on the scene from joint practice tomorrow, and it's almost a deadlock that the minute I get on the plane, the Vikings will make a trade or a huge signing announcement or something else. So I don't know. Do you want to take a vote, everybody? Where do we start? TJ Hawkinson or Trey Lance? Hawkinson or or Lance? Because for uh, those not up to date, number one, the San Francisco 49ers have named Sam Darnold their backup. And of course, the reports that follow immediately are that they are looking at, quote, options for Trey Lance. Well, there's only one option, and that would be to trade Trey Lance. And the Minnesota Vikings have already been brought up by two insiderers. So that's going on. And then with TJ Hawkinson, I will read this verbatim from Diana Rossini, who formerly of ESPN now with The Athletic. She tweeted, The Vikings and tight end TJ Hawkinson have been working on an extension, but both sides are far apart per league sources. Hawkinson wants to reset the market with a historic contract extension for tight ends, has been limited at practice because of an ear infection and then back soreness, which it popped up today as well. So uh, sounds like Blue Wire has to pay for a flight for Wi-Fi. No, uh, yeah, you're right about the in-flight Wi-Fi, you mean. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, yeah, um, that could be a thing that I'll have to uh, get. Yeah, I can business expense it. So I, I don't know if I can go three hours out to Vegas without trying to update uh, what's going on because it feels like something is percolating. And what's going to happen is we'll get an Adam Schefter thing and it will say the Vikings have traded for and then it will be a backup running back or something. Emergency podcast from the plane, I don't think is possible, but I do have noise canceling headphones that are like the super serious ones. And those are really helpful for listening to podcasts like this one. So highly suggested the next time you're in a plane, uh, let's talk about Trey Lance first, because this is a thing that we have debated for. I don't know how long since Trey Lance started looking not great. <laughs> it's been at least two years uh, because the Kirk Cousins thing comes up every so often with the San Francisco 49ers. And as soon as there's any connection whatsoever with Cousins and the 49ers, then the Trey Lance idea pops up. And even last year at the combine, wait, that was this year, this year at the combine, there was some rumor, and maybe it was pro football talk that put it out there that the Vikings were talking to San Francisco about the quarterback situation and so forth. And I think it's more than just purple tinfoil hats for people to be making that connection between Trey Lance, Kirk Cousins, the Minnesota Vikings. It's always made sense on some level. Now, of course, this This part takes out the Kirk Cousins element. I don't think that 10 days before the season or whatever you're trading, you're starting quarterback for him. But the idea has now changed. So that would have been something you'd talk about in March or in April. But now Kirk Cousins is your starting quarterback. You have been insistent that you're going to make the playoffs or chase the playoffs. So, okay, we know all about the competitive rebuild thing. It comes up every single day on the show. But part of a competitive rebuild 
could be that the Vikings trade for Trey Lance, sit him on the bench for a year. Let's say you trade a third round or fourth rounder for him, sit him on the bench for a year, and then you have the plan to potentially turn the team over to Lance next year. And if you don't like what you see behind the scenes in practice from a year of having him, then you just say, hey, look, we lost a third or fourth round draft pick. No big deal. Moving on. And I completely see the logic from every single one of you that brings this up and has been bringing it up for some time that, hey, like if the if the compensation isn't that high for Trey Lance, why not get him? And you, you never know. I But after watching a little Trey Lance and watching our guy, JT O'Sullivan on the QB school, if you watch that, if you haven't, check it out. QB school is amazing. I, I think I'm just out on this idea. I, I think I'm just out because, well, number one, uh, Trey Lance has now had a pretty big sample size of being a San Francisco 49er. So it's not like even with the Josh Rosen situation where they drafted Josh Rosen and then the very next year they were turning around to trade him. That made so much more sense for the Miami Dolphins because there was still a possibility that Rosen could click and become good. He had only played for one year and there's lots of rookies that have had terrible first years with bad teams and then turn it around with their team and become good. That was never in the cards for Josh Rosen. But at least you could make that argument that there was still plenty of room for potential there and that lots of guys had turned it around after bad first seasons. With Trey Lance, where I'm becoming less convinced is this is now three training camps for Trey Lance. And the team gets a really good look at you in training camp day after day, meetings, practices, walkthroughs, all these things, like they get a huge sample size on a player. If you ever wonder why the Vikings, try to think in your brain, how many times have the Vikings let someone go and then they turned into a great player after they let them go in camp? Well, why is that? Not because they're geniuses, but because they get a really good look at these guys. And it's really rare that you are completely out on somebody you're totally done. You've decided they're a bust. You want to get rid of them. And then they prove you totally wrong. So from that perspective, I just don't think it's worth the the effort. I don't think it's worth the cap hit of what you have to pay him for next year. I don't think that the potential is ever going to be reached. Maybe it's a Geno Smith situation, but at least Geno Smith, as bad as Geno Smith was as a New York Jet, had his moments I mean, we've, we haven't seen almost anything from Trey Lance for even getting on the field. And then for a couple of training camps, he has just looked so incompetent that they would prefer to have Sam Darnold. And Sam Darnold is a great example to use where we could say that guy did have moments and he still busted out when the Carolina Panthers tried to do the same thing. All the examples that I can think of recently of when a team is done with a quarterback and he goes somewhere else have just been a bust in that other place too. If somebody's got another, I mean, what, like Vinny Testaverde, how far back you want to go? Steve Young, so the Tampa Bay Bucks of the uh, 80s, I guess, had a few of these. Every so often, there's a situation where somebody turns it around, but usually they at least had their moments. So, I mean, like a Ryan Tannehill 
took the Dolphins to the playoffs, had some decent seasons, and then got better. And Rich Gannon is another example of a guy who was a decent starting quarterback and won games for the Minnesota Vikings as a starting quarterback. He won the job, played a bunch of games, won a good amount of games, and then eventually down the road improved and became a great quarterback. But we're talking about from Trey Lance, someone who's been so bad that their team is just saying, nah, we're out, we're done. Also, it matters who's doing it. Kyle Shanahan. I don't know. You guys want to bet against Kyle Shanahan? They got Jimmy Garoppolo, and he's turned into a very good quarterback, and they seem to be confident in Brock Purdy. Wouldn't even be surprised if Sam Darnold plays there and ends up doing some things for Shanahan. I mean, I think this guy knows what works at the quarterback position. And if he's had a chance to be in the same room with Trey Lance for this long and is ready to let him go, I am willing to take my chances with that not working. And here's the thing. So you say, okay, well, they don't have to give up much, but they do have to give up cap space. And they also have to give up dedication. You have to at least dedicate yourself to seeing if this works, which means giving him some sort of chance. Maybe even it's in next year's training camp and you get the distraction with Trey Lance of being traded here before a season where you're trying to win. So I don't think that this is worth it. And it, you know, what about Bob jumping in with it's a, it's a crap shoot. It's not though, not with guys who have been this bad to start their careers. Paxton Lynch. Would anybody take a, a shot on Paxton Lynch? He still wants to play in the NFL. Anybody former first round pick never got a chance. No, nobody. Well, there's a reason because if you are that bad, then uh, you're probably not going to work out. And by probably, I mean, definitely. And yes, I understand Shanahan traded up for him as a prospect who had barely played any football. It was a risky thing to do, but the guy had played barely any football they you trade up as a prospect. There's been a lot of great prospects through the years, lots of great prospects. But when you have three years in an NFL building to learn an NFL system, and I just can't tell you, like if you watch JT O'Sullivan's breakdown, I, I just don't think that you're going to be interested. I, I mean, and, and this is me coming from a place where I grew up, where all they did was draft quarterbacks and try to convince themselves that someday they could be something. JP Lossman, Trent Edwards, EJ Manuel, like this happened over and over again. And it just, it never works out when you get this far into things. And if you compare him to, to Jordan Love is, is an example of somebody who sat for a couple of years. I mean, that's, a, that's exactly right. Um, the right here of like, he should be where Jordan love is right now. That's correct. He should be in a position where he's starting. He should be in a position where he is easily beaten out these other quarterbacks who he has more talent than, and not being talked about as number three. That means it's real, real low for Trey Lance. And I just don't see that it's worth it to spend the cap space, even a little bit of draft capital to take that shot. Because when you say it, this is kind of how like every year, People try to convince me that a fifth round quarterback is a good idea. And then that player turns into Kellen Mond or Jaron Hall or the number of other Nate Stanley or whatever. And it's like, well, that's what happens when you draft right. I mean, every once in a while, there's a Brock Purdy, there's a Tom Brady, and maybe someday there'll be a Trey Lance who turns into a good quarterback. But when the guy is so far off of being a starting quarterback after this long of sitting and, and being able to develop 
I just don't see almost any chance that that's going to work out. And the other thing is, too, let's say that it does. Let's say that the guy goes from the worst quarterback in the league to maybe he's like 15th. Then you have to pay him. And then what's the problem? You have the 15th best quarterback and you're paying him. Wait, does that sound familiar to you guys? If he sits this year, you pay him for nothing. And that's not great. And then you go into next year and then he's done with his rookie contract. Like then poof, there goes the advantage from the rookie contract. I just don't see this as being a good idea for Trey Lance. And I totally understand where you guys are coming from. And I wouldn't be terribly shocked if the Vikings had the same thought based on what we've seen recently from them. They trade for Jalen Rager. They trade for Ross Blacklock. They bring in Jawan Williams. They have really been interested in former high draft picks to take a shot on. And this one would be just a roll of the dice. And that's why people bring it up is maybe it's worth a roll of the dice. And if they do it, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to overly criticize for that roll of the dice if they do it. I'm just saying from my seat, I would, I'd say that the juice is not worth the squeeze when it comes to this. And you're much better off going into next year's draft and taking a shot at, at somebody there. And I know that every time that comes up, the immediate answer is, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're, they're not going to be able to draft a quarterback. They're going to win too many games. Well, number one is there are more than two quarterbacks that will be in this draft. I just don't know who. And the other part of it is there are other quarterbacks who haven't been picked one or two that have worked out over the years. So I think I'm willing to roll that dice. And if you end up with up a Creek a little bit with a journeyman backup or something as your starter, that's not, that's not where you want to be, but there's usually almost always options. Even if you ended up with a Derek Carr like situation, that's probably better than wasting your time with someone like Trey Lance, who is like 99% not to work out when you get to this point, or at least not for a long time. So the only argument is the guy hasn't played much football. And and that's true. That's true. He has been so injured, but then you're going, wait, he's been so injured. Like, is that's not, is that good? Is that a good argument? Probably, probably it is not. And physical tools. We just watched Malik Willis play against the Vikings for a couple practices. Is Malik Willis not just like Trey Lance and an incredibly gifted physical player who cannot diagnose what he's seeing and execute it. And uh, that's what I saw from Trey Lance when he practiced last year. I, I mean, I've mentioned it on the show before that was part of my case I, against it throughout the summer. It was like, I don't know. I mean, if you were going to do it back in March and it was going to be Trey Lance is our quarterback, hell or high water. Kirk is in San Francisco. Here we go. That I could have gotten into because if it went horribly, you draft number one overall or number two or your Carolina and you could trade up or whatever. But now that we've got to this point, you've got to pay him for a year to sit, then hope he becomes something. Are you still drafting a quarterback? And then if he works out, you're paying him, but what? It, then you're trading your other guy. Like to me, it just doesn't really fit, but we will see. Sometimes when the whole world is kind of on top of something like this, you know, it, it comes to fruition because it's sort of a worst kept secret. And maybe they have a different evaluation based on what they saw in practice from last year. But I 
am not buying into this idea that Trey Lance is a good idea for the Vikings. So uh, happy to get more of your feedback, but let me move to the other major topic of the day, uh, which is TJ Hawkinson. So I read the tweet, but if you didn't hear me read the tweet, let me see if I can pull up the tweet. Okay, I don't have it now. Uh, Diana Rossini saying that TJ Hawkinson wants to reset the market and become presumably the highest paid tight end in the NFL. I'm going to say if that's the case, then uh, we might just end up being at a standstill for a while. I, the the official stance, as many of you know, of Purple Insider has been extend TJ Hawkinson. But when I look at the projections of the tight end market versus where the franchise tag is. So you have Darren Waller making 17 a year. You've got to clear that to keep TJ Hawkinson. I think TJ Hawkinson is one of the 10 best tight ends in the league, but it's a little bit like the quarterback conversation where Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and Josh Allen are number one, two, and three. But the difference between them and like number seven is really big. It's way bigger than number seven and number 15, right? I think it's that way with tight ends. George Kittle, uh, uh, Travis Kelsey, probably Darren Waller are up on a different echelon. Waller is a downfield threat, which is very unique. And Kelsey averages 14 yards per reception and is on the same page with the greatest quarterback of a generation so that's different. And then George Kittle is an absolutely dominant blocker. He's basically like a, a version of Rob Gronkowski in, in some ways because he is so dominant in blocking. I look at TJ Hawkinson as being a much more one-dimensional type of receiving tight end. And that is still a compliment to him because he's a great receiving tight end. It's not just okay at it. He's really good at it. And, and and I think that his chemistry with Kirk Cousins matters. I think that setting up the future quarterback situation with the best tight end and security blanket you can have matters. But everything has a price. And if this is the case, and I'm always, I'm always hesitant because of the spin that can happen with language, with insiders and stuff like that. That sounds to me like that's a team kind of thing. Uh, when they say he wants to reset the market, I don't think his agent would put out there, oh yeah, we're going to reset the market. Watch us go. We'll bleed those Vikings dry. So that sounds more like a team side of things that they would be saying, hey, his price is too high. That's the problem. And it's always hard to know the exact truth when it comes to this. There is a number in my mind that is a very clear thumbs up, do that, there you go. And I think that that is what Evan Ingram got. And I, and I don't think, I think that he's better than Evan Ingram, but I don't think he's so wildly better or different than Evan Ingram or what he was last year for the Jaguars that he has a case to be with those other guys. So I'm pulling up this right now. Evan Ingram, $41 million. Uh, let me get the exact contract, 41 overall. And he's 29, so he's a little older. So it was a three-year extension. 41 million. Uh, let's see how much is guaranteed. Okay. Trying to get the, the entire thing here goes through 2026 has cap hits. This is very reasonable. Actually has cap hits of $5 million this year, seven next year, and then 19 in 2025, which they could probably work around. So Ingram is a very, very reasonable contract. 
and his total guarantees are 24 million. That sounds about right to me. Hunter Henry got 25 million guaranteed, 37 overall. But George Kittle, you're talking about a $75 million contract. Uh, Mark Andrews was 30 million guaranteed. That's pretty high, but also fairly reasonable. I think that if you're able to give him a, a reasonable contract in the Evan Ingram range, in the in the range of someone like what Hunter Henry got. Let me look at just average per year. That's easier than going through all these details. So yeah, you have Waller at 17, Kittle at 15, Kelsey 14, Dallas Goddard 14. I mean, Dallas Goddard, there's a there's a good comparison to TJ Hawkinson. $14 million. Evan Ingram is 13.7. If you're not in the range of around 14 to 15 million, then it's a little bit too high. And I think what we're seeing maybe in training camp, Josh Oliver has been really good, surprisingly good. I, I, I still go back to wondering if they gave Oliver all that money because he was a guy they identified that could be a future tight end. Folks, there is no crazier time in my schedule than the fall season. And let me tell you, it is tough to find myself a good and healthy meal. But that is why I have Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit that can help me fuel up with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to my door Give it a try. It'll save you time, you'll eat well, and you'll stay on track with a healthy lifestyle. Trust me, this is an issue with the number of drive-thrus I have to go through with my schedule. If you're too busy like me, with Factor, you can skip the extra drive through or even just skip the trip to the grocery store. You don't have to chop and prep and clean and all those things that take time. Factor's fresh but never frozen meal are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is just heat and enjoy. And you can refresh your healthy habits without missing a beat by choosing from 34 weekly flavor-packed, dietitian-approved meals that are, again, ready to eat in just two minutes. That is so helpful. I can't even tell you. The options are crazy. The number of different ways that you can customize this just to you. If you're looking to be calorie-conscious, They've got that too. Try delicious, calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. Head to factormeals.com purple50 and use the code purple50 to get 50% off. That's code purple50 at factormeals.com purple50 to get 50% off. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, uh, Diana Rossini had another tweet saying the Vikings and Niners had serious talks in the spring on Trey Lance. Okay. So this is what I referenced about pro football talk. It was sort of a not well-kept secret that at the combine, the Vikings were talking to the 49ers about this exact situation, but in the spring, it would have made sense. Now it doesn't make sense. Like in the spring. Okay. 
First of all, Lance hasn't had a terrible training camp in preseason that got him to the number three quarterback situation. So we have new information. That's pretty important. The other part is that at that time, you're doing competitive rebuild. You're trading away cousins, bringing in Trey Lance, and then seeing what happens. And that to me would make a lot of sense. All right, so you're going to see what happens. But if it goes bad, that's actually good. Right now it's different because now you're in a position where you're not trading Kirk cousins to the 49ers. He's playing quarterback for the Vikings this year. So that means you sit Trey Lance. And if you sit Trey Lance a whole year, okay, you're paying him for this year. And then you're just what not drafting a quarterback and going with Trey Lance and just rolling those dice for a guy that San Francisco can't seem to wait to get rid of things have changed. Within the last six months, I would have supported that idea all the way back then. Now I see it as being different. Play out your competitive rebuild. Try to make the playoffs with a good team that you have right now. And then draft a quarterback next year. Because even in the case that he's decent, then you're going to have to negotiate a, a bigger contract with him. And even if he's mediocre, like Daniel Jones was last year, what did he get? $37 million? Even if someone is mediocre, you have to pay him $40 million a year. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, TJ is much better than Evan Ingram. Well, you know, when we say things like that on the show, we uh, try to figure it out, whether that's actually true or not. It, how much better than Evan Ingram is he? I mean, for one, he and Evan Ingram, are neither of them are blockers. Uh, I would say TJ Hawkinson is a well below average blocker. And that is one of the reasons that they decided to go out and get um, Josh Oliver. So when we look at, I think that uh, Ingram to me, so 73 catches from Ingram last year, average 10 and a half yards of reception for his career, 10.7. He grades lower by PFF than TJ Hawkinson. So that is true. Uh, but in terms of like yards per catch, and the impact in blocking, it's not wildly different. And in fact, their their PFF grades are not that wildly different. It was a 65 for him, uh, for Ingram last year, a 70 for Hawkinson. And part of that uh, is just the fact that there's some drops mixed in and that uh, it's not a guy who is going to make an impact in blocking. But 10.6 yards per reception overall last year, but only 8.7 as a Viking, he was very much an underneath uh, type of guy. Now, look, I, I, I have gone, I have gone on and on and on about how much I respect T.J. Hawkinson. So I'm not downplaying what you're saying. I do, I agree with you that he's better than Evan Ingram. I think you can use him in a lot of different spots. He's very smart. He's reliable. But I think he's closer to Evan Ingram than he is Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. And I know some people think Darren Waller is overrated because he's been, um, you know, injured. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I did see Darren Waller once in person. And it was pretty darn impressive. Waller in 2020 was 2019 and 2020 was an absolute monster. So that's why he has that contract is because 2019 and 2020, he was well over 1100 yards, 12 yards of reception. I mean, he was a big time player in those years, but now I'm not sure what the injuries have done to him. So, but, but he sets the market based on those years. And I don't think TJ Hawkinson is going to average 12 yards a catch and is going to bring you 1100 yards. I think it's much more like 
85 catches for 758 yards or something kind of he's surprisingly Kyle Rudolph ish, even though they're different sized players and you do have to have a limit on that price. You're also going to pay Jefferson. We assume you're going to pay Darisol. We assume, right? I mean, you, you do start to get to a point where you go, there's only so far we're willing to go. I also think that we heard a report the day before Daniil Hunter signed his extension that the Vikings were looking for trades. So there is a, I'm going to shut off this podcast and then they're going to sign an extension with him. <laughs> and, and like, there is an element that's very possible of that because I think that, you know, I've told you guys through the years that one thing you have to be uh, really wary of is reports on contract extensions because you have to consider where they come from. And a lot of times they're used to try to push somebody one way or another, but both sides probably want this. And so you have to consider that too, that some of these things, they get heated, they get contested, and then uh, eventually they get worked out. Um, so keep that in mind as well. Like don't, don't totally panic. Uh, I'm also looking up where Hawkinson ranks for run blocking because he's a well below average pass blocker now, by PFF. And, and, you know, it's, it's not always perfect, but I think that blocking is one of the best things they do. He is only slightly above Evan Ingram. Ingram was 27th last year. Hawkinson 25th. I don't think they bring in. Um, yeah. I mean, you can, you can say what you want about PFF. I spent this right here. This is coming out in October. I spent two years reporting on everything that they do. And uh, PFF gave Ole Udo a 67 against the Titans. Well, that, well, that dispels the fact that I can show you guys the chapter. If you like, do we have to do this every show? I can show you guys the chapter in this book that I wrote about one of the greatest offensive line coaches in NFL history, taking me through how he uses PFF grades. We can, we can do that if we want. So I'm not saying every PFF grade is perfect right here. There it is. It's called coach's corner. Everybody see it. There it is. Paul Alexander, one of the great offensive line coaches in the NFL took me through on the phone, how he uses their blocking grades and how I should use them as well. So I don't think that Oli Udo's grade being like not quite as low as you think it should have been you watching on TV that, um, that that's going to dispel me using it to show you objectively. And unless you watched every Evan Ingram blocking play, did you, did you watch every Ingram? They did. So I'm going to go with that actually for you guys talking about it, uh, reading it to you. I am. That's one of the reasons my voice is a little bit uh, worn out is because I'm actually doing the audible version of this book. My whole point is nothing's perfect. Their grades aren't perfect. But as a as a reference to start with, if we're talking about a player and how valuable they are and what they do, we're going to look at objective measures because I have not watched every Evan Ingram play. But I think when you look at them on paper, yards per reception, how many receptions they get, yards after catch, where they line up, what their blocking is. The difference isn't that much. And so he's getting 13-7. Well, where does that put you on TJ Hawkinson? You like him better? I like him better than Ingram. 15? That's not resetting the tight end market. That's my whole point. And if they loved Hawkinson so much as a blocker, they wouldn't have brought in the number one blocking tight end. They, they probably would have... Um, 
they probably would have let TJ Hawkinson do it, right? So anyway, the whole point is we don't have to do this PFF thing every time. Wait, I got to set the book back up. This is my this is my free promotion here. There you go on the screen. We don't have to do the PFF thing every time I bring it up. It's going to get brought up because it's a really a better objective measure of what we're talking about than me just randomly guessing based on three games I've seen from Evan Ingram and not even on tape because he plays for the Jaguars. Anyway, uh, so the whole point is 15 million is cool. 25 guaranteed is cool. You know who else is in a similar spot is Dallas Goddard. Do you like him better? There's about five of these guys who are in the same cluster. Put it that way. Let's cluster our tight ends up here in the hall of fame cluster is Kelsey Kittle. Waller is in the high end, can go for 1,200 yards and go downfield. All right, put him there as well because he's the highest paid guy. So there's your ceiling. If you want to reset the market, you got to get paid higher than those guys, and that's not where Hawkinson is. And I think the way that the general manager of the Minnesota Vikings, Kwesi Adafo Mensa, operates is that he's got a price. And he's not going to go past that price. He has evaluated it. My guess is he's looked at some of these same numbers as I just read to you. And he's decided on who the most comparable players are and comparable contracts and what it's worth. So I like TJ Hawkinson as much as anybody. I think he's a terrific player. But if we're talking about 18 to $20 million, you just can't do that. Especially when the franchise tag is probably going to be like 13. So... You know, I, I, uh, I don't know. Yeah. That's it's, it's an interesting situation because here is, here is, I rant about it. I also just want to circle back and say that they still might get something worked out and everything else. And this might be put out there in part, just as, as a little bit of pressure to try and get something done. Um, High Times KG asking, wonder if they're trying to get the Hawkinson deal done before Jefferson. What's the holdup on that one? The holdup on that one might be that Justin Jefferson doesn't have to sign it now and understands that if he has another year like this, then their feet are really to the fire. That could be it. Uh, it could be that it's complicated to make someone the highest paid player in the NFL. It could be that the Vikings have a price on him too. I, that's different though, because there's no metric PFF ESPN receiver analytics, nothing that'll say anything different than Jefferson's the best in the game. And so there's not really a complication there, but it could be guaranteed money. It could be years. It could be, it could be lots of things with Jefferson that they're working through. I will say if we walk out of this training camp and neither player has signed an extension, then I think we all will go. It, was that ideal? I don't think so. Was that handled the best? I'm not sure if it was because I, I felt like you needed to get both of them extended to be completely solidified. All I'm trying to point out is that when you do an objective analysis, no matter how much you love a player and you put everything in a pot and then you try to make comparables to other tight ends, the price is not going to come out with him making $20 million a year. It's just not. And if that's what they're trying to push for, then, then they can't go there. I also totally understand that you folks have cheered for this team, but also like the Minnesota twins for a long time and heard a lot of, well, we just couldn't go to his price. We just couldn't match his price. 
and you you let good players go because of it, and that's not something that you want to hear. So it's tricky. It's tricky. And uh, again, my stance has been to extend him, but you can't do it if he's not going to budge and he's going to have many different ailments that keep him out of practice. Maybe, you know, uh, I was joking that like gout is next after, uh, although not, not that that's a joke. I've heard that's horrible. So I'm sorry, but you know, like what's the net, like lower back stiffness and whatever else. So, uh, and you are right. You are right that they have the franchise tag and there's nothing that TJ Hawkinson can do about that. And that's, that's their equation as well is that you have the franchise tag and if the franchise tag is going to be like 13 million or something next year, why should we pay you 17, 18 million? Uh, gout is brutal. Yeah. I, yeah. Sorry. I don't mean to joke about gout. I just thought like it's a really random ailment that he's going to claim to have uh, next after missing another practice today. But um, it, in, inappropriate to make fun of anybody with gout. I'm sorry for that. Uh, let me tell you, by the way, can we go from gout? to uh no we can't that's just too awkward of a situation so let me let me get you guys take on these things i'm sorry i've been uh ranting here for a while but what what is what do we think uh okay yeah all right everybody's coming in with with their gout experiences i'm <laughs> or that it's not good i'm sorry but um so i i should have got somebody else's joke was the plague i should have gone with that but the plague was worse than gout um Anyway, so what so what are we feeling? Yes or no on Trey Lance? Yes or no on paying Hawkinson whatever he wants? Are we thumbs up, thumbs down, side thumbs? Like how are we feeling? Bilateral leak, uh, bilateral leg weakness was the right answer. Uh, polio. I hope polio doesn't make a comeback. That would not be good. Um, but polio is pretty brutal too. Maybe we should have just said like an eyelash in his eye, but as a contact wearer, that's not good either. So are you guys, are you guys thinking that they should trade for Trey Lance if they're not trading much and extend Hawkinson at his price? Let's even just say that he's going to clear Waller 17 per year. And that's what he's looking for. Um, Bobby Hill gets gout on uh, King of the Hill. Love that show. Love that show. Keep digging the hole. Yeah, you're right. It's pretty hard to find some like debilitating disease to joke about. So, uh, yeah, maybe maybe I'll just keep that one in my back pocket next time. <laughs> but the whole point is that he doesn't actually have them. So that's what makes it funny. Uh, absolutely. Jeff says absolutely no on paying um, on Lance and no on paying Hawkinson top dollar. I tend to agree with you. And after watching Josh Oliver for an entire year in training camp, I don't think it would be that insane to say, all right, either go or franchise tag him. And maybe Oliver is the next guy after that. He's just been very impressive. And look, this is what happens. You sit out and then somebody else comes up and gets your reps and it looks pretty good. Uh, from Nathan, yes, on Lance as a backup, just tag Hawkinson if he isn't being reasonable. Yeah, I agree with that. And he's TJ Hawkinson. There's only so much noise he can make on the franchise tag. You really, the NFL really sets this up. So all the cards are in the team's hands. And this is something I've noticed that over the years, we always talk about like, oh, well, the player, he's going to force his way out and everything. And, you know, that's true. But like Diggs forced his way out for a first round pick. Uh, there, everyone's got a price that they could be traded as well. And maybe it could be a trade situation for TJ Hawkinson next year. But if you're under contract, you got to play. 
and you have no other choice if you want to make your money. So if they want to franchise tag him next year, they absolutely can. And he can have whatever illness he wants over the uh, training camp and not practice. But at the end of the day, you're going to be on the team with the franchise tag. So they have all the cards there. Um, if anybody has this, uh, I'll look it up first. Trey Lance's cap hit. Um, but I think it's quite significant. Is it for next year? It's quite significant. It is. Oh man. It's you'd be paying him seven and a half million, 7.7 to not play. And then 9.3 in 2023. So if it's bad, you're using a big chunk of space. Um, let's see. Uh, Joshua says Lance needs reps to get better. Where's he getting reps? It's a good question. You're right. In, in practice, but they are not giving, they don't develop players in season does not happen. Uh, they are preparing for every game. And if you're not the starter, you got to find a way to get your own reps. The other point is too: San Francisco for three camps has given this guy a heck of a lot of reps and he's gotten in these preseason games. Now, 2020, he didn't, but he played the whole thing last year, the whole thing this year. And this is not where it's, oh, this guy has never, ever, ever played football. He's been with a pro organization for several years and they're still saying no. And then, you, you know, if it doesn't work out, you're still on the hook for 9 million next year. That's pretty tough. And then if it does work out, okay, then you are just pouring more and more millions into it. All right. I wanted to get away from the weird illnesses uh, jokes before I talked to you guys about grill masters. I just thought that would have been a very strange transition, but uh, grill masters club. I have a box on the way, by the way, from grill masters. Uh, and I'm very excited about it. Grill masters club. They send all sorts of grilling materials. I'll tell you about it. Uh, they like to call themselves sort of Netflix for barbecue. I love that because you could just pick and choose what you like. I just think it's the best thing in barbecue of all time. Grill masters club. And this is one of those where they advertise on the show, but also they send me stuff and I use it and I love it. It's sort of like what we had with Oakley where like, yes, they were advertisers, but I still wear the glasses every day. Same thing with uh, grill masters club. Even when they're not advertising, I will be using them for my grilling uh, purposes. But anyway, they have certified pitmasters at Grill Masters Club. They've cracked the code on small batch barbecue products. So I am not some barbecuing wizard or genius. I just put things on my grill and then grill them. And what Grill Masters Club does is make that uh, like a really enhanced experience for somebody who doesn't really know what they're doing. And what's great is that you can choose monthly, bi-monthly, quarterly for these Grill Masters Club boxes. You get charged once a month, day late, a couple days later, the box shows up at your door. Super simple, but they also don't keep charging you over and over and over again uh, if you're not using it. So you can come and go as you please with Grill Masters Club. Another thing that makes it great. So they've got all sorts of different barbecue products, sauces, marinades, spice rubs, grilling tools every month they put together custom recipes it's super cool so a subscription to grill masters club is a great idea grillmastersclub.com if you if it hasn't been made clear grillmastersclub.com and uh 50% off using the promo code purple so if you guys are like me and you're grilling cuz it's really hot out and that's fun 50% off the promo code purple grillmastersclub Guess what I'm doing for all my road trips. I'm figuring out what other sports games I can go to. And you know, who's giving me a huge hand with this is game time. 
Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, and Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you have. So I could just say, travel to Philadelphia and pull up the Game Time app and figure it out on the fly. Flash deals for last-minute tickets, easy to find and buy tickets for any kind of event. It doesn't just have to be baseball or basketball, like what I love. And images are shown of your seats. You get the lowest price guarantee and event cancellation protection. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code INSIDER for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code INSIDER for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. .com. Okay, back into the discussion. Uh, Matt says uh, Hawkinson 13 to 15 million average annual value for a couple years, $40 million guaranteed. That would be a lot guaranteed compared to his peers for fully guaranteed anyway. Uh, But I I don't think that that's crazy at all. A little more guaranteed money based on his age and uh, uh, right, right in the same ballpark as Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard. These are guys that he's similar to. I think these are very, very good players. 15 mil a year. That's the market price. Um, Al says Quasi has shown that he'll give up late picks for past first and second round picks. That's absolutely true. And there's awful, an awful lot of smoke from national reporters connecting the Vikings to him. Yeah, there is. So if they were to do this, then I guess I, I would not criticize it as in calling it insane or stupid or what is Quasi doing? Like the way I would look at it is, More likely than not, very, very, very much more likely than not, this won't work out. And it's going to cost you a lot on the salary cap over two years. They're going to have to do things to the salary cap if they do this. Uh, With a $7 million cap hit and they only have like $10 million in space, it does make it harder to move Jefferson money or Hawkinson money into this year and not, and so more of it's going to go down the road. And then next year, if you have him for a year and you feel like he's not any good, then you're paying him $9 million or you're just getting rid of him, I guess. So, I mean, you could do that, and then you're just flushing a draft pick. But I think the biggest, and, and this is what Matt asks here, what's the downside? Yeah, the downside is that this, is, this might be a weird take. Well, well, one is the downside is you just waste cap space and you waste draft capital, and it, and it nets you absolutely nothing, which is... And it's a distraction because your team is just getting ready to play the season and you trade for a quarterback, which is going to be a big deal. And you're making it even more clear to Kirk that he's out of here and everything else. I, so there's some of those, those downsides, but my question isn't so much about the downside. It's actually more about the upside. If someone is truly horrific to this extent, what are the chances that they end up going way up? to being like a top five to seven quarterback, almost zero. But is there a chance he could become an okay quarterback? Let's say like Daniel Jones, not very good. Nobody really thought he was great. And then he's like the 15th best quarterback. Okay. But then you got to pay him and then you're stuck in the same spot that you were before. So the, the best case scenario is probably uh, the, the point where 
it's actually not that great. Like the best case scenario of drafting someone who is like Trey Lance, like a rookie quarterback, is that they can be okay. They can be okay. And and then they're cheap. So then you you end up with like being able to pour all this money into your roster. That's the big benefit of someone who's good and then cheap. And then if they're great, then you win. Um uh, he 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 does have to show up if he's franchised. I mean, he doesn't have to have to, but uh, then he doesn't get money. So that would be bad. Um, I don't want to lose the Kirk to Hawkinson connection in the playoffs. Oh, was is that like a fourth and eight joke? I'm not sure. Uh, worst draft trade, Trey Lance or Lewis. Well, I mean, come on. Lewis seen as a trade down of which they got a bunch of other draft capital, which theoretically could have turned into something and just didn't. Uh, but Trey Lance was trading a bunch up. I understood Trey Lance, uh, would only, okay. So, um, Jason says it'd be a 5 million cap hit. 49ers would keep some of it on theirs. All right, fair enough. You're still spending cap space. You're still spending time and effort. You're still spending draft capital all to bring in someone who a really great organization with one of the best coaches is bailing on. I just feel like it's a tough, it's a tough ask to do. What are we paying for it? Like the fifth, fifth round pick. And even then next year, you're talking about a decent sized cap hit for him. And you might've just wasted everyone's time. But you know, I, the people who are making this point though, about like, why not take a shot at it? I respect, I respect that point very much. I do. I really do. I'm a little more concerned about if it turns out just okay. And then you don't know what to do with it as opposed to if it turns out great, obviously, but the, I mean, that ship is almost sailed at this point. So yeah, I mean, I, I totally feel it when you guys are talking about um, a reason to do it is just because if you liked him uh, coming out, you evaluated him, and they're going to give you something for nothing, then you take a shot at it. So if they, if Quasi decides that this is a good idea and they should take every shot they can at quarterback, I'll say, okay, I, because it makes it more clear you're moving on. And you are taking a shot at a quarterback, which is fundamentally good. I just think it sounds similar to me to why don't we draft someone in the fourth or the sixth for a quarterback? And we go, okay. And every year we're like, okay, but that probably won't work. It's like, no, no, it's a great idea to take a shot. And then the guy is cut out of camp and we're like, okay, well, uh, you're taking a very, very low percentage shot. There's probably a higher percentage chance Jalen Rager would turn into a good player because at least he was on the field in Philadelphia. Trey Lance couldn't stay healthy. And when he was on the field, it was so bad that they, uh, oh, 2024 is going to be 5 million. Okay. So they're ta- they would have to eat some of that and then 900,000. Okay. Well, that's that, that does change the math a little bit on, uh, Cause I was just looking up his cap hits, but I didn't realize that they would be able to take some of that on their side. So you're looking to me, it's just not a very likely scenario that he turns out to be any good. And then you've made the new given away draft capital. I could see it though. I could see it. So that's a, a separate conversation is what do we think? And feel free to drop this into the chat percentage wise chance. It happens like 20%. Are we thinking higher than that? Um, I guess I would I would probably go about that, about 
I just think it's better to move forward with this position than trying to pick up somebody else's disregarded, discarded quarterback who has not worked out. But I guess I would go probably about 20%. Hey, Jordan Addison was back at practice today, by the way. <laughs> if you if you wanted any other talk about anything else, uh, he looked good. Back from the concussion, back out there. Jalen Naylor is working on the side. And so it looks like he's on his way back. But whether that happens, uh, I don't know, anytime soon. It doesn't look like he's going to be back for these practices. So that makes the wide receiver situation complicated with Jalen Naylor. And I'm not sure how they work that out. Because my understanding is, even if you want to put somebody on the 53 or on the IR, you have to have them on the 53 as well. So it's not like a cheat. Um, okay. Uh, Jonathan texts me that in the poll, there was 57% of people want the Vikings to trade for Trey Lance. Okay. So it's an unpopular opinion for me to say, just move on. But I also think that there's all like, this always seems like a good idea in theory. And I just, no one has let me know of a player where this actually worked. And we had to go back to like Rich Gannon, but Rich Gannon was a starter. And he was a decent starter who won games for the Vikings and then became good. I can't think of anybody else. I mean, I, I covered JP Lossman and uh, well, no, I was growing up with JP Lossman. I covered EJ Manuel and Buffalo, same sort of thing. Maybe somebody else will pick him up and we should have a, the Raiders picked him up. Like, Oh, we should get EJ Manuel. He was a first round pick that didn't work out. So I don't know. Uh, Quasi has yet to hand out a multi-year extension. Would Hawkinson be the first? That is true. Uh, that so far it's been all short term and that's what the competitive rebuild is not locking themselves into anything long-term and there will have to be some point where the money gets put down and with Hawkinson not being signed, you wonder, all right, are you going to pony up at some point and maybe just go a little bit too far? Cause this is a guy that you could really use, but maybe Maybe Hawkinson, they don't view him as irreplaceable as we have. Uh, let's see. Who's the last quarterback on a rookie contract that was traded and panned out? Yeah, that's what I'm asking. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, I guess it could be like Jimmy Garoppolo, but Jimmy Garoppolo is behind Tom Brady, and that's the only reason that happened. So um, uh, we're... Uh, uh, somehow Lewis scene has invaded the, Oh, cause of the joke, the joke about Lewis scene. That's why. Yeah. It was a joke. Yeah. He was making a joke about Lewis scene versus the, the versus Trey Lance with the trade. Uh, has there ever been more of a lock on the 53 than Jalen Jalen Naylor KOC loves him. I, I, I think they liked what they saw from him a lot with uh, last year, but I also think that, <laughs> okay, that's good. Wasn't far of a bust in Atlanta. There you go. There you go. What year is it? Yeah. But I mean, that's true that uh, Jerry Glanville didn't like Favre and traded him to Green Bay. That did happen. So that's what I mean, though. Vinny Testaverde, Steve Young, Brett Favre. There have been a few of these highly touted quarterbacks that, you know, didn't work out and uh, then eventually became great in the 90s. Uh, you're talking about my childhood of this happening, but not recently. So um, Josh says, give us a date when we should be concerned about no JJ extension. I believe that date is the first play that he runs in 2023. 
then you're concerned about it. Uh, because in 2020, they took the Delvin Cook thing all the way through camp, and we were wondering what's going on, what's going on. And then on a Saturday, might have been like a Saturday morning, they finally came to an extension, and we had a Zoom call with Delvin Cook. I remember that. We had a Zoom call with him on a Saturday to talk about his extension. So it's the end of Saturday before they play their first game, because once they play a game, I can't see them negotiating uh, anything with Justin Jefferson. And then we go into next year. It's not illegal, but it's unlikely once they start to do that, it can happen, but that makes it less likely. Um, let's see. At least one can understand the reasoning, the reasoning of giving all the first round picks up for a QB that supposedly had the highest ceiling in the draft. Oh yeah. I don't blame San Francisco. I think also, by the way, like trading down, that was questionable in that draft with Lewis seen, Drafting Lewis Seen, I don't think was that questionable. I didn't love the positional value, but there were people who had very high grades on him. It was right around where the consensus board said he was looking like a guy that you pair with Harrison Smith, take over for him, game-changing playmaker, rebuild the secondary, secondary matters. Like it wasn't, I remember talking about it. It wasn't so much the player as it was. Uh, the decision, but then the player hasn't worked out either. And so of course it makes it look a lot worse, but what San Francisco did was, and this is what the Vikings are really in a way trying to do here, which is build up their roster to a point where they're ready to drop in a quarterback and give them a good chance to succeed. This is another reason that I would be not into this idea because I really think that it, there's no better situation in the NFL than San Francisco. I mean, if you can't thrive there, where can you play? Uh, they have a, even a better setup considering their offensive line, their coach. I mean, it's probably the, if you were a quarterback yourself and Roger Goodell called you and said, Hey, you're a great quarterback. You could just pick your team. Who are you picking? Probably San Francisco. So I don't know. That's what, that's what makes it kind of tough, but the actual decision they made to trade up for him made a lot of sense. And at the time it was all very muddy. They were taking a huge risk on a guy that they had barely seen play college football. And uh, I respect that they went for it, but you know, it doesn't always work out and they survived. Sometimes we act on this, like you can't survive if you have a draft pick go wrong uh, from Matt. What's the draft pick you gamble with Lance? Yeah, that's a good question. Probably probably a fourth with maybe some sort of, Hey, if the guy ever leads them to a playoff game, then you get a second or something do it that way. But I wouldn't go much higher than something like a fourth. Uh, let's see. Only call if they take Kirk. So Lance can lead us to the number one overall pick. That was the thing about that discussion back in March that I was on board for is if Trey Lance was your quarterback and it didn't work out, then it's actually okay because then you draft high and then you move on. And if he does work out, that's great. But this would be a year of his rookie contract. The way that you're setting up for it now is Kirk plays with Lance behind him. And then you end up next year on the last year of his rookie contract. And that I just keep coming back to this. Oh, here we, here we go. We got this far without this high times. You had to do this, right? 
doesn't matter if our O-line is terrible. Your O-line isn't terrible. I hate to tell you that. It's just not. It's actually okay. If you look at offensive lines around the league, it's uh, it's not a great situation for probably about 24 teams in the league. I don't think it's a terrible offensive line. I think it's got some serious weaknesses, but overall, I would st- I would probably put them in the middle of the league for for where they are right now. Not that it's not so bad that you'd be afraid to put a rookie quarterback in there or a guy who like plays like a rookie. Uh, let's see. San Francisco hasn't drafted in the first round because they traded picks for Lance. You could find a good safety at any point. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I agree that you can find good safeties. I, I think what they were aiming for was try to get a game-changing safety and rebuild their secondary around him. I think that's what they were going for, and so far it has not worked out. But they hurt themselves very little in a pick like that not working out because they got other compensation, right? So you get other compensation by trading down, and it's supposed to even out the odds. doesn't even out the odds if you take Andrew Booth Jr., of course. That's what it's supposed to do. That's why trading down is considered to be good, though I didn't love it. Uh, is Asamoah the biggest loser of this Vikings camp? Well, the biggest winner is Ivan Pace, and he's more or less taking his job, so there is that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's been tough for him. He started out as, like, the clear-cut starter, and as soon as Asamoah, um, you know, had some time out. It was like Ivan Pace just took over and played like a little Wolverine and has been really great. And they seem to love him since then. He was making plays today against the Cardinals, had an interception. He was kind of all over the place. So yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know if he's the biggest loser of camp might be Kenny Wongwu, Jack Pudlesny, who never got a chance to kick. I don't know, but yeah, I, I think Asamoah is unless I just wouldn't be done with Asamoah though. Like, I think he's still a talented player, but I, I wouldn't be completely done with Asamoah. Like his career's over because he lost a job to a UDFA. Uh, he hasn't been healthy. If he gets back healthy, maybe there is a role there. That's what Brian Flores likes to do. All right. Uh, I'm going to have to jet soon folks. I have to catch a plane to Las Vegas where I'm going to be doing the show the next couple of days. Let me answer a couple more questions. Uh, from high times, the timing on Lance is bad now. It just feels like it's not worth it at that point. That right there captures my whole feeling on it is that the timing is different than it would have been if they had done it earlier this year when everyone was talking about the interest. Now you're trying to win games and uh, you've, you know, you're playing out this season with Kirk Cousins. If they were playing out this season of a rookie contract, then, you know, it, it would have been a lot different, I think. Over under the number of players brought in externally from roster cuts. Yeah, I'm going to go over two and a half. That over two and a half players who are not on the team right now will be brought in. I really think that's going to happen. Um, hope your plane hasn't left yet. No, but it's getting closer. I really do have to. I really do have to run. But um, it has not left. Yes, you will. That's the point. So I'm going to circa, not just to hang out. Although. Not terrible to, to get out of this hot weather is why I'm going. No, I'm, I'm going out to uh, circa to do the show from there. There's going to be like a radio row. It's their big millions contest. Uh, the, the, so they promote the heck out of it. And a lot of us who have been part of that uh, sponsorship are going out there. So our friend, Eric eager will be out there from Sumer sports. He's going to be on the show. We'll run into some other people. So I'll get some guests. We'll have videos up. We'll have podcasts up. 
it's going to be fun. We'll go live a couple times. Hopefully will Raggett's is going to be my eyes and ears from training camp tomorrow, but then they're off Friday. And then we've got the preseason game, which will be absolutely breathtaking. I'm sure. So, uh, anyway, you guys are the best. I love how many people showed up here at a totally random time to just talk about this great discussion, great discussion. And look, I, I want to add that all of your opinions, like some, some want to do the Hawkinson deal. Some don't, um, some want the Lance thing. Some don't, but all really well thought out in the comment section. And I, I really appreciate that from you guys that every time I log on here, we have really good, uh, smart discussions. So Thanks so much, guys, and uh, we will talk to you all from Vegas very soon. Football.